coming up on Man Enough. We feel that it's really important for men to have these honest conversations about self-image, about body image, about the pressures that they face. What we would call an eating disorder for for a woman, if you go to a, your local gym, like you'll probably find a lot of the same characteristics that are sort of in a different package. Asking people to undress and take off their clothes until they're in their underwear as we're interviewing them about style and self-image and identity was you know, our way of like showing people literally and symbolically, like removing all the layers of like cultural conditioning and everything we've been taught about how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to dress, how we're supposed to be, how everything, Mm. and like reclaiming our bodies and ourselves Mm. outside of that. Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil. So maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to, like, put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Plank. Indeed. We got no Justin Baldoni, mm-hmm. but um, Justin sends his love. He does. Liz, look at you in your dress. Yeah. Is this what you do all the time? Just like show up in the coolest, coolest dresses? Only when I'm with you oh. um, and all of you uh, at home mm. watching. No, I just, I want to look nice. You always I look care. nice. I care. I care. And I want to reflect, you know, my mood. I feel like that's what men can miss out on mm. when you're not as connected to fashion or that you're not encouraged to care about fashion. It's like a way of expressing how I how I feel that day. Oh, good. By the way, before we get into everything, um, you need to follow us on YouTube because you can see, I mean, look at Liz right now. She's just got all just the joy you, and YouTube. all of that. Listen to us and watch us on YouTube uh, because we have a cool little st- channel over there. So... Uh, what do we want to talk about today? We're going to get into a lot of stuff. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. We're, we're having a lot of firsts, uh, I, I feel, at the end of, of this season. We're having a first we, today? Yeah, we're having a, a first, but I don't think we've ever had a mother-daughter on the show. We have not, which yes. is interesting because normally we talk about uh, subjects that I would say at least front-facing appeal to men, mm-hmm. um, being that our show is called Man Enough. Yes. But I think all things should appeal to men. Yeah. yeah. Um, not just something that specifically that you look in a men's book, but things that pertain to women and all genders should be something that we all care about and learn from. Yes. And, um, so it's really exciting yes. that we have two women on, a mother yes. and daughter. Who are they, Liz? We have mother and daughter duo and co-founders of Style Like You, an amazing platform, amazing yeah, brand. Yeah, super popular. I Way mean, more popular than us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe Liz, it was like one of Lizzo's first interviews and sort of started her on her body positivity journey, which she's obviously on and taking us all on. So we have Elisa Goodkind and Lily Mandelbaum. They created Style Like You, but they also created What's Underneath, which mm. is a really popular YouTube series where people talk and they undress. Mm. Uh, while they talk about the amazing things that they are doing in the world. It really... Undress, uh, meaning... Uh, their clothes. They take off clothes. Go down to your, like, underwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's happening. I'm ready. Maybe we should do that while we do this episode. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we're not going to rip it off, but it's a really cool concept. So, yeah. Welcome, Lily and Eliza. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. We're so excited to be with you today. Thank you so much Thanks for having, for having us. us. So really happy to be here. What's really sweet is we, we're going to get into it. Um, hopefully, you guys are willing to go in because we want to go in. 
right? We don't want to just have like a bus stop conversation. We yeah. Have like, uh, like we're hanging out and have a real mm -hmm. conversation. We love this. We just recently had a mother and a son on and it was such a sweet experience to see their relationship and discuss things that pertain to advancing society really. Um, so to have a mother and a daughter on mm -hmm. is a first for us and we're excited to have you guys. So you Thank guys you. obviously are close. Ish. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> were you always close? close? Yeah, I yeah. mean, we, we were always close when I was growing up, but I don't think anything can compare to working together for the last 13 years. So we're really, we're, we're as close as it gets, I think, for yeah. uh, in a healthy way for a mother and daughter. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it took a lot of work. And we'll, it takes we'll, a lot of work. It yes, does. we'll get into it. We start the show by asking every guest, um, when is the last time that you didn't feel enough? Mm. Do you want to start, Lily? Mm. I think it's like a daily practice to feel enough. And I think there's, I have to talk myself into embodying that, like in all kinds of moments, in all kinds of ways, like whether it's a negotiation that I'm doing for business, I have to remind myself that like I matter enough and mm. my needs matter enough to like speak up for myself and to get what makes me feel comfortable in the arrangement to happen or... In my partnership, I have to, my romantic partnership, I have to constantly remind myself that my voice matters. So I think it's like kind of a daily, mm. a daily thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good answer. Yeah, I would say about 50,000 times a day. <laughs> 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 Even though I'm in the best place that I've ever been and I feel that I'm in the prime of my life. It makes me think of something very recent with my partner, my husband of 37 years. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I've been increasingly expressing my needs and understanding what needs are because even though I'm from a very revolutionary moment in time and a lot of what we're doing with Style Like You is coming from that time in terms of self-love and the right of everyone to feel whole and to understand their purpose in the world and to understand that they have so much meaning and that no one here is random. So the awakening of that um, has been really huge for me. And I have been increasingly asked, you know, understanding that I have needs and he has increasingly had to deal with that. Um, and, and then that I have, then he, that he triggers me and I have had to feel okay that he triggers me um, and not feel like a bad person for like saying, I don't like that you trigger me and you need to stop triggering me. And then he gets uh, triggered. <laughs> and, right. And then and then I have to be OK with the fact that um, I don't then have to take care of him feeling badly that he triggered me. He recently was just I get it. And I I, I you know, you've only recently been talking about all this. So it's going to take me a while to unwrap this and to unravel mm -hmm. this. But I hear you and I get it. Thirty seven yeah. years in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Always. Well, yeah, we're having a lot of growth right now. Mm -hmm. I'd say they're having the most most growth they've ever had in yeah. the last like few years. Yeah. And this is, and forgive me for even asking, but I don't want to assume this is your dad. Yeah, it's my dad. So you've experienced their mm -hmm. whole relationship and the transformation and the triggering and, the, mm -hmm. and all the, mm -hmm. what they've come to. And can I ask, how does he trigger you? What are things, if you can share? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think uh, that what you just described, well, the cycle he is, is yeah, it, it's, it's difficult, couples. you know, it, it, we're triggered because of our own wounds. So then there's the separation between what is mine and what is his. Right. And like, you know, that's all really, yeah. I'm really, that's a lot to deal with yeah. and, and to figure out. But it doesn't mean that the person, he, he, he still shouldn't be triggering me because it's. Or it could be more conscious of 
Like, cause he, yeah. you can't, you can't fully put it on him if some of it's no, your no, own no, stuff, it's but. yeah, it is me. So what does he do? Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think. You know, it's really weird because I have this thing where I get very upset, but then I completely forget about it. Mm. I'm like, and like, and <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah, and then I completely forgot why I was so upset. <laughs> um, Does that mean that some of the things that you were upset about were maybe not that material? If you can't no, remember. Well, there, this is the thing. It's little things like paying attention, like being present, paying attention, listening, like saying something. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was yesterday. It was the other day. It's something like, I am trying to de-stress. We always go for a walk at the end of the day, all around the canals and everywhere with the dog. And and I saw these ducks, these this duck with these little they live duck, in Venice. Little ducklings, clarity. you know, little <laughs> ducklings. And I'm trying to like, I'm very much more spontaneous. And I'm like, let's just walk the other direction. And who cares about time? And who cares about what we're eating? And he's always like, Oh, it's late. Mm-hmm. And who cares? I don't care. And I see this mother duck with their baby ducks and the and they're and it's so cute. And the ducks are plopping in the water. And I'm taking videos of them to send to my two kids and their partners. I'm so excited to do that. And I'm so excited to share that moment. And he's like on the other side of the bridge going, it's late. And I was like, I, I asked you to like, give me space and to have like, that we could have a good time and be present mm-hmm. and be spontaneous and not be worrying about time and not be rigid. I asked you that. I, I forgot to tell you that. I asked him that. Okay. To mm-hmm. not do You that. were clear. Okay. And he couldn't not do that. Right. Mm. He and couldn't he, not yeah. do that. And do you think he's triggered by you being so free because that's his thing of control and feeling right yeah, yeah. yeah. well he's he's just <laughs> I, he, he's, like, I have worked on myself all of my life and i'm in a very spiritually psychologically like it's a non-stop for me i'm it's just a non-stop like based on what we do obviously it's just yes it's just a non-stop you know he wants that but he's got a lot of stuff that he's protecting right that like, protects him and, too. And, and it's really interesting that we're you know this brings me to like what we're going to be doing with you guys, which we're so excited about and partnering on a uh, What's Underneath Men and Masculinity series, because um, as I am looking at the people that we're going to shoot and like looking at this issue, I'm like, oh, whoa, like how much of this is personal to him, but how much of this is society, and uh, I, you know, and I'm, I'm really yeah. seeing it. Like I'm really yeah. seeing like how he just couldn't be that person, yeah. you know, and he just was, I mean, I, I see it like a ton. Yeah. It's like everywhere. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. And, yeah. you know, I think women, we've had more of these conversations. I've had the uh, message sent to me as as a young girl that my needs aren't as important. And so I think our male partners, that the great ones make space for that. Mm-hmm. And I think the women, we can forget that like, oh, oh, right. Like men have this too. And, and men are just kind of at the beginning. And mm-hmm. your husband, you know, is not of, of a generation where I'm, I'm sure these things were talked about um, mm-hmm. in the way that they are now. And so I think having that same empathy for them can be difficult because we just assign it to their individuality. And this is just the way that they are. And that's why they're choosing to do that. Some of it is is really the system. I mean, uh, Justin's wife, mm-hmm. Emily, talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. That it opened up a whole other layer to, to, to these arguments, which, which felt small and sort of individual. Yeah and become but I think that's where the opportunity lies right yeah it's like if it was a small thing by itself and it never happened and it was a random thing then no big deal mm-hmm. but when it's like a pattern of small things then it's yes like, it is a big deal of course the empathy is true it is important also and his programming is so so yeah. deep much deeper and in, in terms of his being able to get his needs met I'm 
thrilled that we're having this conversation. Man Enough, which is expanding, and you know, um, we want to partner with people that are better than us. <laughs> you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So we are partnered with you so that we and ourselves can learn and be better and hopefully um, extend your platform and extend ours. What are we doing? Tell us what we're doing, why we're doing this. So we're partnering on a season of our What's Underneath series that will exclusively be exploring masculinity and specifically vulnerable masculinity. Um, so, you know, we've interviewed, you know, our, our platform so far has mostly been focused on women or female identifying people or gender nonconforming folks, um, trans folks. That's been our focus to date, but we feel that it's really important for men to have these honest conversations about self-image, about body image, about the pressures that they face as well. And so we, th and we think it's important, at, you know, as sort of the root of, as if our goal is to unravel patriarchy in our way and to help people feel more liberated and free in who they are, we don't think we should exclude men from that conversation and that um, it's, you know, at the root of the problem. So it's time to talk about stuff. And, and just to be very clear, it's a What's Underneath series, so they will be doing, you know, taking... So what people do, basically, is they come in in their layers of their unapologetic style, like 10, 11, 12 layers. 10, um, 11, 12. So, so dress like I am, but with more layers. 10, like, 11, like 12 layers. Purposely, we need... I would come in if I were a, ho well, a guest Well, we can only ask as many questions as there are layers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's with the each, rule. With each, with each, because as we... So it's about a two-hour interview. It gets very deep. Mm -hmm. And very vulnerable, vulnerable, and very. It starts out more with the less vulnerable questions about style and assumptions that people make about you, based on your appearance. And then you know we go deeper and deeper and deeper into more personal and deeper questions as the layers come off. As the layers come off. Each and question I take. So if I'm a guest, mm -hmm. I'm gonna bring twenty layers. I'm put my hoodie, put my yeah. hat. Put my shirt, I mean, you don't have to two. like. It's more like twenty. It's more like ten to twelve items. Fine. Yeah. Put it on. You ask me a question. <laughs> Well, we ask we ask more or less the same questions, but then we vary those depending on the windy journey of their story. Oh, so wow. in between, we go, th but then we come back to the core to, question, to the next question, yeah. to the next, next core layer. question. And by the end of it, by the end of it, it's a catharsis. Your... It's a full circle, and you're, you're in your underwear. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because I think oftentimes we posture, we hide behind our homes, mm -hmm. our money, our jobs, our name, our status, our height, mm -hmm. our clothes, yes. and when you tear away those layers mm -hmm. and we're not posturing as much you can be more vulnerable right. and now you're mm -hmm. like naked literally mm -hmm. in your truth and yeah. and also like one of the things i just want to add like we have um purposely you know gone for every story and person and type and diversity that we can find not because we know the answer it's so that they can tell us it's mm -hmm. we we have learned yeah we have learned us. completely from the people that we've interviewed they teach us Maybe you can share with us and with our audience why you speak to these things. Of course, man enough, we are talking about these things because we do think that all people need to have voices that can echo their own, maybe give them a little bit of guidance, hear someone else's vulnerability, mm -hmm. finding a safe place that men can be, uh, be accountable, mm -hmm. how we can be better to ourselves, but also better for women, better for everyone. So that's part of our agenda. It's always been. What is yours? How did this come about? Tell us what you are really trying to do. We started Style Like You... When I was 19, um, I'm 33 now. Um, it was an accident that it turned into what it's turned into. Um, basically, my mom, you can speak if you want to, to 
your side of the story. Do you want to say? Yeah, usually okay. I tell my side first because yeah. I'm younger. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in my 20s, I was a fashion editor and stylist in New York um, at all the fashion magazines and at Condé Nast, and which was, they were the main ones publishing all the fashion magazines. And it was just an incredibly eye-opening, really mind-blowing. It was a mind-blowing experience to be in New York in the 80s at that time. Like, mm -hmm. as everyone talks about, it was that. And the, the other editors of the other magazines, it's changed a lot. But at the time, they were every age. They didn't wear the same designer clothes. They all were extremely individual, extremely unique. It wasn't this machine that it's become. So um, I just had this incredible experience of what it, of understanding and having my mind open to what it was to really be an individual, you know, down to every ring on your finger, down to every way you wore your everything, outer and inner expression was seamless. As time went on, I dropped out for a while when I had kids. I taught yoga. I discovered my whole spiritual side, which is a huge part of style like you, meditation and motherhood. And um, and then I went back to it as a freelance fashion stylist and editor. And I faced a world that I did not know. Like it was, it was just a shocking difference of you know, cubicles and marketing machine and not giving clothes to anyone over 14 years old for the cover of a magazine. You know, that's an exaggeration. I mean, kind of. Like, uh -huh. it was like all about marketing, all about brainwashing, all about the 14-year-old becoming the 25-year-old and only <laughs> buying that designer. So, like, it wasn't about honoring someone who had done incredible things and they were 70 or 80 or 90, you know, or, or, or various all other things, right. as I had experienced. Yeah. So yeah, it had so, just become a market uh, like about money. Yeah, right. just exploiting people's insecurities yeah, exploiting. in order to sell clothes. Everything was, was about selling. Became. The fashion shows, which were once in these very unique individual places, depending on the brain and the and the creativity of the designer who could express themselves fully, and no one was like the other, and no one was copying each other. And suddenly, it was they were front row and hierarchy and snobby okay. and pretentious and exclusive okay. and mean. And everyone was wearing the same thing and everyone was wearing the same designer bag yeah, that was more that way more than half of a year of rent. I was really devastated. Wow. It's I so, was devastated. Yeah. It's so funny because what you describe uh, uh, what you describe is what I know to be fashion. I don't know that other part. Mm -hmm. And I love clothing. I love like but fashion does not appeal to me at all because to me it's that mm -hmm. it's like an elitist expensive yeah. scary you know, scary like mm -hmm. order you know makes you feel terrible. Yes. Makes you feel like you're not part of the conversation. Yes. It was Rules, all very designed. Right. Yeah. It was well, very designed to be that yeah. way. Growing up, I was like, when people would say, do you want to work in fashion like your mom? Yeah. I'd be like, no, like, yeah. that's superficial. That's mean. It's exclusive. It's pretentious. Right. Like, I don't get it. It's not something yeah. I want to be part of. Yeah. Um, but I did. We did share this passion for people and their self-expression through style. And I started and we knew these people that were not being shown in magazines in the front in front of the camera who really marched to the beat of their own drum and how they dressed and how they expressed themselves through clothing and where it was very distinctly different than what fashion media was putting forth in that they were being, it was an expression of something very deep inside of them, something very soulful, something connected to their story, and also like a symbol of being just this like fierce individual who was like, knew themselves and was comfortable in who they were. And we started to realize that style had this potential to be an, an empowering thing, something that was an empowering expression that um, you could be part of no matter who you were, what you looked like, what your body was, how old you were. We just picked up a home video camera one day and started to interview 
those people that we thought that you know the five, it started with literally the five or ten people that we just like knew we just picked up the phone and we're like can we come into your home with a home vi- with a home video camera into your closet and ask <laughs> you and ask you about why you dress the way you dress and mm-hmm. what it says about you and your story and how did you get so strong to defy these norms and not conform to what fashion media is telling you you have to be and um, very we, intentionally diverse though yeah always from, the from very one beginning. to the next was super wow. diverse and and we just were so immediately like high off of the experience. Like I was just, my mind was blown right away. Mm-hmm. And as to you know, f- realizing that I could, I could maybe like have style and still have this body, and I could still and feel good and have fun with clothing mm-hmm. and and be um, empowered as a person. The yeah. very, the very first one we did, the very, very first one. Um, she starts to talk about her flat chest and why she loves it. This was in 2009. <laughs> like, she's talking about how she loves that she has no cleavage. Meaning, and as though she you was know, talking about how she doesn't wear a padded bra to, like, she change no herself. She instead owns this part of this thing right. that maybe in society is deemed a flaw. Oh. She was embracing, and I, not just embracing, but, like, fully owning and being like, this is my favorite part of my body. I don't wear a padded bra. I actually, like, like to wear low-cut shirts where you see that I don't have cleavage. And she's a very feminine person. Right. Like it was. And well, so we were immediately, uh, she used to wear padded bras because she's super flat-chested and was immediately uh, like, oh, wait. Never again. No, like, I Good. can just. Well, after that. Never again. Yeah. yeah. After experiencing I, 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 it was, I was never again. I was like, it's my favorite part of my body. I, wow. Was, yeah, and, and. So now we're like over a thousand videos later. And we learned basically through all these interviews that like the unifying thread between everybody that we were drawn to to interview in this way was that it really wasn't about their clothing at all. It was about their sense of comfort in their skin. Mm. That's what we were drawn to in them. Like you could be two people could be wearing the same outfit, but if one person like yeah. is really owning who they are and that's that self-expression is coming from that place, that's what makes you be like, oh, who is that person? Yeah. And so beautiful. Like that that's the thing I I even I even cringe a little bit now whenever, you know, anyone says she's beautiful or he's handsome. Like, I I, I just I, I don't I just feel like what does that mean? Like it's it's anymore. Like it's for we're so we're so changed in our brains that uh, it is completely about whether you feel you are. Mm-hmm. You can completely. tell if someone well, feels then, good or is. Well, then, right. We, right. So then we, I used to say you could wear a paper bag and have style. And then that's what led to what's underneath. Basically. Yeah, so we basically like, started to realize yeah. that what what we were drawn to in these people were not actually their clothes. It was their comfort in who they are. And how could we show the world that? How could we show the world mm. that style is actually not about the clothing that you're wearing, mm. but it's about self-acceptance and being comfortable in your skin. And so mm. that's how we came up with the concept for our video series, What's Underneath, which is now what we're kind of known for, which and, is with the undressing. And, and style meaning, style mean like style is kind of used and now, I mean, it's grown, the word has grown in terms from when we were originally using it, because now to me, it's about power, you know, it's about love. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's just the outer expression of that self, fierce self-love. Mm. Asking people to undress and take off their clothes until they're in their underwear as we're interviewing them about style and self-image and identity be- was, you know, our way of, like, showing people literally and symbolically, like, removing all the layers of, like, cultural conditioning and everything wow. we've been taught about how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to dress, how we're supposed to be, how everything, mm. and, like, reclaiming our bodies and ourselves mm. outside of that. Beautiful. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. I think I had read that you felt like you had transferred to her a low Mm self-esteem. Is that an accurate um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. recollection? So what it sounds like is that you've 
what you're telling me now is all about how do you have your esteem, right? And how mm -hmm. do you feel in your body? It's not about how s someone thinks I'm beautiful or not, but how do I feel about myself? Mm -hmm. And therefore, beauty mm -hmm. comes from within. Mm -hmm. uh, so what have you done to get to that point now? Our, ourselves. Yeah, yourselves. Because would you? I think that's a big statement to say that yeah. I feel like so much. I put on to my daughter to have low self-esteem because of obviously the way that you then behaved and demonstrated it to mm -hmm. her. How do you deal well, with that? What What has been the... How did how did I undo it? Correct. Uh, radical honesty, becoming defenseless, uh, looking at my deep deep work on myself, freeing myself. How did you recognize it? How did you realize that you had transferred that, or at least in your belief that you had transferred that to your daughter? It was did, at the beginning did you of style. Like, did I tell you? It was at the beginning of style, like you when when you started to want you wanted me to photograph you like in tight clothes and like, or, or without clothes. And like, you were, you were really exploring your, your body and your, your own acceptance. And that was before what's underneath. What had happened like growing up is not necessarily that she modeled low self-esteem, like, cause she always had the ideal sort of, in my mind, what was the ideal body. So she, I think I embodied a lot of confidence growing mm -hmm. up, like as far as your physical appearance, like to me as a child, I thought, she, I looked at her as a confident Mm -hmm. embodiment of like beauty um mm -hmm. and i wanted to look like her because she had the ideal that like fashion was portraying and i didn't in body specifically i wanted to be more like you and have your confidence but i thought in order to have that i had to get skinnier and so and then the, what she did that was problematic is that she she was a, as a mom her biggest like sort of flaw was that she want didn't whenever my brother or i were um struggling with something she wanted like a quick fix kind of so if I was struggling with my body image she was like okay lose weight like because she didn't want me to be unhappy she wanted me to fit in she wanted me to have good positive experiences with the boys in middle school and I wasn't mm -hmm. and so she was like maybe just lose weight you know like so she would encourage me to diet and lose weight and so and and then when I would I'd be I would be on these like yo-yo this yo-yo dieting thing of dieting losing weight getting the validation from men and my crushes that I finally wanted. And then I would like lose it and gain the weight back. And then she'd, you know, and reinforce it again. Maybe mm -hmm. you should lose weight. You know, she'd sit me down and say, well, maybe exercise more, maybe eat less. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. So she actually like, it was more, it was more like more. active that you were like mm -hmm. part of making me feel like something was wrong with my body. And, and then she, she was kind of like, for lack of a better word, like kind of a MILF. Like she was like, every, you know, she was the hot, she was... <laughs> She was a super hot mom that, like, you know, the boys that I wanted them to have crushes on me I had crushes on her, you know. So. Wow. Oh, that's complicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't until we started Style Like You and I, I don't know, it was just, it just propelled both of us on this just, like, explosive unlearning journey. When we started interviewing all these people that had so many different body types and self-expression, I started to realize that I could maybe accept myself. We realized together that we were both victims of right. this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't look the same and you could, yeah, your bodies could be completely different. Mm -hmm. You're still under the same propaganda and the same system yeah. that yeah. makes you unhappy yeah. with your body. Because I can, I almost can guess that even though you had the quote unquote ideal body, I'm sure that you found mm. things that were wrong with your body. Absolutely. Right. And you, but so you, many you didn't see that. You yeah. only saw, oh, she's, she has the ideal. She must be yeah. so I happy. See, and, yeah. you know, if I'm like, if I get that body, then I'll be happy too. But we're all just me, you know. Yeah, I just wanted you to can't go, escape it. I just yeah. wanted to go jean shopping and like fit slide into the skinny yeah. jeans like she was, but that wasn't happening for me. Did you get to a point 
Mm-hmm. Or have you gotten to a point where you've fully accepted your body mm-hmm. and, where, and who you are? Yeah. So I don't think you're, I wouldn't say, I don't think you're ever like yeah. there. I don't think there's like an end, uh-huh. but I do think as close to the end as there is, I am as far as like the un- unlearning and deconditioning, is that a word, of mm-hmm. my brain. Um, like, so basically through interviewing, now we've interviewed for our What's In Any series, like probably almost 200 people, I'd say. And um, basically what happened is as we were in, we were interviewing people, especially like curvier or plus size people that um, I that owned that that owned that about themselves, I started to, you know, look at them and just be like, because like I genuinely found them so beautiful <laughs> because and I started to realize, oh, that's because they're owning it. Like it's the only thing that's between me and that beauty that they're exuding is not changing something physically about myself. It's just getting to a place where I can own it the way they're owning it. And so I just made my work finding a way to own it instead of obsessively trying to change it. Yeah. So that, which I did through many means. But the biggest thing was like the representations was I wasn't, I hadn't grown up with the representation of bigger bodied people, women specifically owning their bodies. Mm -hmm. And and also I didn't, so once you see it, then you can start to and you realize see people it's possible. And you see yeah. people and own it and feel good in it mm-hmm. and flaunt it mm-hmm. and feel safe well, and that they're mm-hmm, just yeah. as wonderful and beautiful and accepting mm-hmm. and all those things. And, right? the, and the actual, you know, one of, one of the really big thing, and I think I mentioned this before, is just it's a complete redefining of beauty a compl- that we've experienced. Um, a complete change of neural pathways, uh. complete, like because of the experience of what's underneath, because watching people go through this cathartic transformational experience of doing the interview and being and, and witnessing that. And you actually see that, you know, the messiness of their journey, mm. the the struggle is the ultimate thing that was the springboard to their power and to their strength and to their purpose. The, you know, just watching this happen, you know, this unraveling and then at the end, how they what they look like, how they're radiating when they were not wearing makeup, when, when they when there, everything is off like... and the clothes are on the floor to hear a mother and a daughter who clearly love each other, who are both stunning in your um, presence. And the fact that you can have two women can have two different body types and experience some of that. I think that's still a something that was probably designed by men. You are wonderful and, and you had the ideal body type, but for a lot of communities, that wasn't the ideal body type. That's something that's come out and what's that's the, mm-hmm. all, all when we started to do what's underneath, um, every ill of the society poured right. out. Right. Well, and also we inter- we've interviewed that. we've interviewed a lot of like every truth th- black women who felt inadequate for being too thin or something you know yeah 100 it's, yeah. it's a whole mm-hmm. i don't say it's a whole different thing we're still mm-hmm. living and breathing the same air mm-hmm. right. um however there is a different dynamic had you possibly been raised in a black community mm-hmm. maybe you would have seen a lot of men boys not necessarily want to hit on your mom more than they would have you because you may have fit the type mm-hmm. that was attractive to them mm-hmm. and maybe that would have looked different but uh, the fact that that's even here um and then I get to hear this and listen to this and have kids of my own. I have four kids and um, two that are seven and six, a boy and a girl. And my daughter is slim. My sisters were never slim. I don't know what she's going to look like in five years and 10 years. The idea that her self-worth could be 
have anything to do with whether she's 20 pounds this way or 10 pounds this way or fits in this fashion or that mm. and her worth and not feeling seen and valued and loved and gorgeous and beautiful and stunning and, and captivating to the world based on body type? Based on men in a boardroom who are, you know. Deciding what's based, on the cover of Vogue. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like based on how badly they can make you feel so you spend money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Disney characters that have, always, that have always been like this thin mm -hmm. and it's look a crime. like this. It's literally a crime. Why do, you, why, why do you think it's a crime? Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> because it's taking advantage. It's it's exploitive. It's uh, it robbing most? people. It's robbing people of of everything. That It's the opposite of the way it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be uh, whole. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be fully alive. We're supposed to live our unlimited beliefs. Like every, we're, we all have unlimited beliefs. And I believe we're supposed to live those beliefs. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to live our dreams. Like they're not an accident dreams. Like they're not an accident. Everyone has them and everyone has their own and we're supposed to do them. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking that away. They're, mm -hmm. they're robbing us of, of, of our, you know, of our purpose, of our, of our, of our soul, of our light, of everything. And it's destroying the world because I, I think- We're stuck on a treadmill. I mean, we interviewed yeah. like- we Stuck have, on a treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. A, or a hamster wheel to nowhere. Yeah. And it's yeah. And, it, and we feel that self-acceptance is resolving that problem because the problems of the world are so overwhelming. The environment, it's so overwhelming. Everyone is obviously so overwhelmed. Um, and that where does it begin? I We feel that it begins- with self-acceptance, because if we weren't on this treadmill and looking outside of ourselves to feel good about ourselves and to feel valid, if we and just and wasting our time with that, we would probably solve these problems. You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough podcast. And what's so interesting is that a lot of the people who are desperate to preserve the system the way that it is on and you know happened to be to, to to be men right if we think about Lizzo mm -hmm. who went on your show and as I said in the intro you know it was really a really defining experience for her and now she's become um this this the, this role model for for a lot of people to accept their bodies the way that they are and she has so much fun with it sure there are women who will talk shit about Lizzo but I I feel like the men were the most the, the people who are the most public about it and who take the most offense are people who aren't even women, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Are people who are not black women. Why do men care about Lizzo mm -hmm. loving her body so much? What is the threat to them? Mm. Everything. Yeah, yeah, I think I know. Yeah, what? Tell well, us. Well, I don't think I know. I think... Uh, you have a hypothesis? Thank you. I'm just going to just <laughs> speak for me because I can't <laughs> find the words. No, there's been a few times you've actually said the word that I wish I would have said. <laughs> I think men have been conditioned to think that one particular beauty is the beauty. It's not black women have not been on the cover of magazines. Mm -hmm. That's the idealistic. Mm -hmm. It's the Christy Brinkley's of the world and the whoever else, the other mm -hmm. Kate Moss. Cameron, Cameron, Right. And mm -hmm. all, all of that. Right. And not that they're not beautiful and wonderful. And mm -hmm. but that's been what's the standard. So boys are raised with that. When you look at um, boys that look at porn, most of the porn would all be a certain size women. Um, anything that was on anything that would stimulate you was always a certain size woman. So then when you would find a larger size woman, own that. 
I think what it does to men is like, oh, wait a minute. If that now becomes the standard, that's, I, I don't want women to own that because I want her to lose weight. I want her to look like what I have been told is beautiful and what I'm seeking after. So Lizzo threatens men's wife. Mm. That's a plus size Ooh. woman. Mm -hmm. And now she's not going to try to lose weight because she's now following Lizzo instead of Christy Brinkley. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Christy Brinkley. So it threatens our standard yeah. of what and we- status. And status. As of, men of, of having a thin, right? Or having a woman that fits a certain correct. standard. And now when I say our, I don't mean my. Let me just separate course. mine from yes. that. We're speaking um, in, but, yeah. but, mm. but probably me too. To be truthful, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I, I drink the same Kool-Aid that the rest we of the world do. drinks. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and um, I can try to like dilute it with as much as truth as I can, but it's still drinking the Kool-Aid mm -hmm. or exposed to it at least. Um, but maybe I think that has something to do with it. It threatens our own. Well, men are women. really suffering also. At there the end of go. the day, yeah. they're suffering also with this problem, like th because they're so limited in their in themselves because of this as well, that a person, a bit, a larger size person or a, this, an older or any, you know, anybody is so ick to them, you know, that yeah. it's, 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 it's really threatening to their power, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's one of the reasons why we can't wait to do this series with you because it's, you know, obviously you know, this problem is everything that you stand for. And it is such a big, they are the men are the core mm -hmm. and especially white men. And, mm -hmm. um, they need to you mean at the root of the at problem. the root of the whole problem yeah. is this is 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 their inferiority and insecurity indeed and, yeah and also I think we have to model to our young boys a different thing so what I have noticed is a lot of fathers that have young boys if they were to say to them well let me take it to race for just a minute and then I'll relate it so I have a friend who is deliberate and whenever he sees a black girl he says in front of his son oh isn't she gorgeous mm. oh she's so beautiful. He gets to hear his father comment mm. about how beautiful a black girl is. They're white. Mm. He doesn't do it with white women. He knows that's the standard that he's getting from everywhere else. White women are beautiful. They're beautiful. Mm. They're the standard. He doesn't hear that black women are beautiful. But he hears his dad say to him and acknowledge, not like he's lusting after them, just like, oh, my God, look how stunning she mm. is. Oh, she's so beautiful. I love what she's wearing, whatever it is, mm. to champion and see her. This boy's now raised, is, is up, and he's dating a black girl. It's a white kid, but you know, a dark-skinned black girl. Does it have anything to do with the fact that his home championed and acknowledged the beauty of black women? 100% I believe mm -hmm. it does because the world doesn't. So what if we do the same thing? If we're only commenting on the girl that looks like whatever is said is supposed to be on the cover of Vogue, but if boys are hearing other people model like, man, look how beautiful she is, and not just like the physical appearance, but this has a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And we're acknowledging and being vocal about how beautiful people are that are different sizes and our boys hear it. So I want to make sure that my son, who's been getting images, who's seven, all the time of what he thinks the standard is and the TV shows he does watching the cartoons that are all of a certain figure, that he hears me acknowledge more than anyone else Women that don't fit that model. Mm -hmm. Not that they're not beautiful, but he's going to already get that. He doesn't need to be mm -hmm. to reinforce that. He needs to be reinforced and have eyes and vision um, to see the beauty in all people and all mm -hmm. sizes mm -hmm. and all skin colors. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a practice we can do as fathers to our young boys and in schools and those that we influence mm -hmm. to um, have them witness us acknowledge the beauty in, in, in many others. Right. And ultimately, none of why, why should any of us be dominated by a culture that's just selling us things. We we should be ourselves. We shouldn't be what they want us to be. Sure. Do you think there's maybe a degree of like why men are threatened by Lizzo or something like that? Do you think there's a degree of like men aren't 
given a space right now to really like have conversations about the pressures they face to have mm-hmm. a certain body and a certain mm-hmm. appearance. I mean, there's a lot of pressures, I believe, men face with uh, beauty standards as well that really, mm-hmm. and it hasn't, I don't think it's really yeah exploded yet as far as like there being a liberation there. So maybe there's also a degree of like holding on because yeah. they don't have. Yeah. Like maybe they're jealous of the freedom that women are starting <laughs> to experience. Yeah. But we know that yeah. firsthand because I have my son is Lily's brother is gay and and he uh he he is so envious of Lily and all the role models that she has and doesn't uh, feel that he has the same and mm-hmm. that's something that we want to bring out in this series. Interesting. So that's yeah. Yeah, and the whole pyramid breaks down, right? Or, or or the whole system is 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 sort of threatened, right? If women love their bodies, no matter what their bodies look like, well, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money, right? And anytime that people that that there's that threat, I think there there are you know people who want to hold on to that system. And even for men, like what we would call an eating disorder for for a woman, if you go to a, your local gym, like you'll probably mm-hmm. find a lot of the same characteristics that mm-hmm. are sort of in a different package. And so a lot of 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 men are. Fed these books, which, uh, you know, once I went on a deep dive of just like the most popular books for men, and it's very regimented, it's very precise and specific. Um, and so and so men are holding mm-hmm. on to that for themselves, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of pressure. So much, so much pressure. pressure. Yeah, I have. I have less, less compassion for it. You I, do. I, I do. I should. I should have more compassion for men who have a problem with their bodies. And why? Why? I, I mean, I, let me be clear. There are men that I love that have Justin being yeah that yes. acknowledges he has body yes. dysmorphia yeah and it's been something he's worked through mm-hmm. now this is a guy that most people say is the statue of men mm-hmm. but do i think it affects men the same way it affects women it does not mm-hmm. do i think it has um, you can have different sizes of men that are powerful in, in the world mm-hmm. and that aren't viewed and judged on their beauty or their bodies to be successful in life, mm-hmm. uh, it does not affect men the same way yeah. as women. So to have the conversation at the same time is a little bit uncomfortable for me. And it's not to do, not to honor mm-hmm. if my son is dealing with something physically that I don't want to honor it. And oh my God, let's talk about this. And I want you to feel good in your skin and all the things. But if you compare it, if a white man compares his struggle at the same time to that of a black man mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. going up the ranks, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right time for it. Yeah. Although you struggle and I want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to deflect from the from the experience that right. women face, right? That are different. Yeah, than men. it has that's, it has a much mm-hmm. more wide wide ranging consequences, and it's not anecdotal, right? We know even in the data, like according to academic research, a plus size woman, the effect on her income will be much more dramatic than a plus size man. Like a, like mm-hmm. being yeah. plus size will impact how much money you make and the salary mm-hmm. and and the position, right? Um, that 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 you'll be in. So I I think you're right that there's a big difference. Um, but Lily, I'm I'm so curious. I I know there's so many people who are listening. It's very hard to find anyone who accepts their body fully, no matter what it looks like so how did it impact your life like you know and particularly with, with like dating and and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that in your everyday life and your relationships with before um, you answer that to liz because oh. i want you to answer that because that's important okay. i just want to say something mm-hmm. before you answer if you don't mind so i am more than a black man i'm a man that has a lot of things to say in the world that has nothing to do with my skin color and it should not be the the, the responsibility of everyone that has dark skin to have to talk about race but i am one that can't The fact that we're talking about something has to do with body, and you're the one amongst us that is saying that we're referring to as plus size and had to accept their body in a way differently Mm -hmm. than maybe Mm -hmm. you, you, Mm -hmm. or me. And the fact that Mm -hmm. you 
have to carry that and talk about it is unfair mm -hmm. and should not be your responsibility. I'm sorry for getting emotional. It's true. It should not be. But thank you for being one in the world that can talk about it because so many are struggling with it mm -hmm. and can use a voice like yours that is in this market and experience. So I'm honoring you for being one that can talk about this very thing that should not have to be your responsibility. That's so that's, that's so very true. kind of you. That's very so with, sweet. Yeah. With that, please answer Liz's question. Yeah, and and just I wasn't also like I'm. I am more. No, than no, I, I get, I, and I and I promised it, but I don't accept my body. And mm. I I think your history with this show and what it's shown you, right? You have this unique understanding of it, having having interviewed all of these different people. Yeah. And so I'm I'm curious how you know what were those takeaways that were, um, you know, really impacted mm. you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm also more than happy to talk about it, and that's very kind of mm -hmm. you to that, have that kind of empathy. And yeah, yeah. but um, you choked me up too. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to call myself. I don't, I don't know what to, how to refer to myself. I'm like, am I curvy? Am I plus size? What does that mean? What is anything right. like compared to other people? I know that I like in you know hold like skinny privilege compared to like other people. Like I know, you know, I know everything's relative so right. as like what what did my healing like journey kind of look like yeah, like, yeah what just curious you know yeah. again i it, i'm sure it took there were many different learnings and different mm -hmm. moments in in doing the show where you're like wow mm -hmm. you know but but yeah what for, for someone who's listening who's yeah. like i, I hate what my did, body what do i do, uh, what do I yeah do? i mean mm. so like there were some there were definitely like some early very formative people that we interviewed for this series that like just had a very very profound impact on me I'll, one is someone named naomi shimada who everyone should look up she's amazing she's a she was a i guess plus plus size i don't know she was an in-betweeny model i think there's no good language for this right. stuff well but, it's also a lot of yeah. uh, plus, quote unquote plus size models can't don't fit into the right there yeah, she not was big too thin to be thin. a plus size model right. yeah but not skinny enough to be a straight size model right. everything's in air quotes for those of you who right. are listening yes. <laughs> i just remember like when she took off you know she took off her clothes and i just saw her she just had such a presence with her body and like when she took off her clothes and her stomach had a few like rolls in it, you know, which is always like the worst when you're struggling with your body image. You're like, um, and then she answered like one of the last questions we asked her. We said, what is your favorite part of your body? Which is one of the questions we ask um, everyone that we interview. And she said my mouth. And she said, it's because all my favorite things happen in my mouth. Like I eating. And then she said eating and kissing both are in my, in my mouth. And so it's, those are my favorite. And I was just like, <laughs> like you know you know just like the, the idea that like eating is good and yeah. we need to eat to like it's one of the most like pleasurable joyful experiences of life mm. and something that we should be really grateful that we get to do every day instead of like thinking about it as this thing that we should be controlling and freaking out about and like trying to minimize there were moments like that with individual people that we were interviewing where just they just embodied a comfort in in themselves that was so like sexy I was like you're so she's so sexy mm. like and then I started to think well if I can think she's sexy right. I can think I'm sexy if I just like can embody myself in the way that she does but basically just started to realize that if you embrace the thing that you're told to deny mm. or suppress or whatever mm -hmm. you can kind of like transform it into the thing it, it that yeah. is the most beautiful about you so it was that yeah. and then I started to like do this exercise with myself where I would just like stare at my body in the mirror or have my yeah. mom shoot take pictures of me like in my underwear. That was basically like my way of like trying to re just reprogram my brain because growing up 
I think I always was trying to hide. Like whenever there was like bikini pictures at the beach with my friends, I'd be like, oh, no, like I'd I'd put a towel over myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I tried to just flip that on its head and like stare at myself. And my mom took pictures of me in my underwear. And the first time I saw them, I like bawled, like I freaked mm. the fuck out. Positively or no? Negatively. I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I'm like, I'm disgusted by this. It was really intense, right? You remember? I really freaked out. But I just tried to do the thing that I was, like, afraid of of and Uh. also, like, yeah, hiding from and reconditioned myself to get, like, used to it, kind of. As time went on and she would take more pictures of me, more pictures of me, I would just start to like them. And I'd start to, like, (laughs) be like, oh. I'm like, I just got used to it. And then I started mm. to feel like it was beautiful in its own way. Um, so I, that was another so thing. So now when you're on the beach and you take the same photo in your bikini with your friends, You'd love it. Yeah. do you take it and like stand confidently in it? I think I, like it depends on the day. Like I think there's still moments where the little like inner child comes up and is still feeling the way I used to feel. And then there's other moments where I'm more like mm. unapologetically confident. And I think it kind of like varies. And so I feel like I got to a point where I like had really... Like, I was really self-accepting. And then in the pandemic, like, I think I gained, like, 10 or 15 pounds. Like, I was the same weight for, like, 8 to 10 years. And then I think I gained, like, 10 or 15 pounds. And the voice came back that, like, I had kind of – that was, like, you did something wrong. You failed. Like, something – it's your fault. I didn't think I actually changed anything about my – like, what I ate or – like, because my whole thing is I also tend to feel more, like – which maybe this is bad, but like when I'm taking good care of my body, I start I, I, these days. I'm like, whatever it looks like, as long as I'm taking care of it, I don't care. Well, that so, brings up like, actually mm-hmm. something for me mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask, which was there's a spectrum, let's just say, mm-hmm. because there are people that are could be too thin health wise. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and people that are too heavy health wise for their heart or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. We're not saying one should not be mindful of their weight if it's a harm to their heart Mm -hmm. or their vitals in some way, Mm -hmm. just as you should not be too skinny because you don't have the strength to carry Mm -hmm. yourself and be strong. Minerals and vitamins that you need, yeah. Does that come up at all? And I would imagine more with plus-size women who are accepting, and then you get a lot of people saying, well, it's not healthy, Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to be this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else's experience with this, but for me personally, like, it was, I've, like, part of the reprogramming was noticing that I I exercise almost every day, I jog, I hike, yeah. I enjoy feeling good from what I eat. So I'm not, none of it's extreme for me. I'm not like the healthiest person in the world, but I just noticed it didn't have to do with that necessarily for me. Like for me, my body just is how it is. Like for me, when I was right. like, when I was dieting as a kid and only, like I would basically eat like 400 calories a day for like months on end and oh exercise gosh. at like 6 a.m. before school, like intensely on the treadmill. And mm-hmm. I was maybe like 160 pounds at my skinniest. So like 160 pounds, I feel like at that time still sounded like really heavy, like I don't know, on the heavier side from what I grew up thinking was like what a girl's weight should be, which is so insane that we think there's like a weight. Insane, right? like insane. It's, it's insane. So I, when I was like 160 pounds, which was my skinny, I lost my period. Right. So I was, I didn't look anorexic. Like you, did, I didn't look like what the stereotype of someone who is not eating looks like. But I basically was barely eating and still had some like meat on my bones. I still, I looked healthy. Yeah. I looked probably what one would think is like healthier than. From the standard but your body what wasn't, we're taught. But it wasn't healthy. But it I, wasn't. I didn't get my period for months from that lifestyle. Whereas now I'm eating regular, you know, what I probably should be eating. So 
there's just a lot of shifting of like, yeah, there's definitely not a like blanket synonymous health equals skinny thing than we've definitely been taught that there is. So. We need a system. We need a new society. I mean, we yeah. need something we that do. looks yeah. different in, in X amount, five years, 10 years, 20, whatever it is, our new generations, where this is not anything. Well, yeah, the thing is, it's so getting there's common yeah. health. With, with, with so many things, too. I mean, our, our, our videos are point out everything. I mean, the body, body size and everything is just one part. I mean, it's, right. it, we deal with gender and race and age and mental health and physical health and abilities. And I mean, every single solitary thing we, we can expose or get our hands on. So it's, it's all problematic. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. problematic. And it's kind of getting worse, right? It, you know, we've never talked about Ozempic on this podcast. About um, what? Ozempic. Do you know what that is? Not a clue. Okay. Well, Zempic, there's this new drug that a lot of celebrities are are, are taking, but also the, the general population is taken, and it's a, a, a weight loss drug. But pe- there are a lot of people who oh, don't yeah. have, uh, quote-unquote, weight problems or weight issues, and people are being very cagey about it. Um, you know, celebrities who are who are probably on it are, are, are not saying that they're on it, and so there's a whole debate about Isn't this about the thing it. that people are supposed to take for Ritalin? Uh, uh, diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah, diabetes, yeah. exactly. And and there's these reports, uh, you know, which are pretty recent coming out of Facebook and uh, social media platforms that eating disorders for, for right. young girls and young women, right? And there's an increase in, in the you know, the amount of young girls who are going in for eating disorder treatment. So yeah, I'm curious, as you're hmm. creating something that is really going against all of this, but you're also seeing sort of the environment getting worse in many respects. Yeah. How do you view all of those things? One of our big goals and drives right now is to get this message out beyond the choir. That's, you know, and and, and that's what we're working on, like behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Like we have, you know, an incredible, dedicated, beautiful, you know, audience and uh, and they're smart and they're amazing and they get it and, you know, it increases, but it really needs to go way beyond the choir. Couple questions. Tell us two things that you love about your mama. I love that she is always willing to look at herself and grow and that she she has the spirit of a 16-year-old. She, she doesn't buy into the idea that you're not always on like a growing, changing like shedding journey of your old self. Like she just has such a um, empowering way that she like views living. It's, it's yeah, she doesn't give up ever. Mm, doesn't give up. Mm-mm. What are two things you love about your daughter? Two. Yeah, I, I know there's a <laughs> hundred, but just share two, two of the things. Well, she's my hero. She's my shiro. She's, I don't know, just her definitely in the body image area and journey. She's, I, I absolutely, I, she's changed my life. She's made me, she's turned me inside out. She's made me see everything differently. She's made me love myself more because of how much she loves herself. And yeah, so that's huge. The second one, tell her. I love your, yeah, just your love of, ugh, I don't even know where to start. Your love, you're just... <laughs> Your competence, your capacity, your dedication, you've put a lot of things on the back burner at a very young age for something much bigger than yourself. Yeah, that's major. I really, really um, admire that so much. And I'm really excited right now for you to be able to do less of that and to really enjoy the rewards of it all. And, and, and I love and I'm loving seeing you starting to do that. And yeah, I love you for all that. And I'm inspired by you for that. Thanks. 
I hope that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know where to start. It makes so much with sense. It. I love it. I love to hear parent and child tell each other and hear things. We did I'm, what's underneath side by side, so you can, if you desire, go take a look at. That oh video. yeah, go, gonna go look, go at, that look one. at that video. <laughs> So we always uh, end every episode by asking the same question. What does it mean to be man enough to you? What what what, what does that mean? Um, to be vulnerable and authentic about who you are, no matter where you're at on your journey. Beautiful. Yeah, I was going to say just to be, yeah, just vulnerable and... Willing to face yourself. Willing to be wrong. Willing mm. to be wrong. Willing to be wrong. Yeah, willing to be wrong. Yeah. WTW. WTW. <laughs> I love it. I love that so many times people answer and we rarely hear what is, even from men, even from the brute men, it's like, what does it mean, man enough? Rarely do we hear to be strong, to be mm. the protector, mm. to be, not that those aren't mm -hmm. important things for all of us to be. I don't think it's exclusive to men for sure, but um, it's normally things that are like, why don't we just listen to our own answers? I'm going to add to that. I think wear a skirt, wear a dress. Oh, okay, that's another yeah. conversation. Wear some wear nail polish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's really like free yourself. Really, really, really free yourself because it's whoever said that you can't do that. Why can that, that why can why can women? Man. Yeah, why can why can we wear a suit, wear pants? Like, why can't you do whatever you want mm -hmm. and really? still be man enough? Yeah, uh, be free mm -hmm. as be as free yeah. as, as women. Just, w wouldn't mm -hmm. we say though that it would mean I have no interest in wearing makeup or, or nail polish? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm not willing to yeah, do no, the work. If, if, that's, if you that's want something yeah. that you want to do, yeah, if that's then you feel free to do. to do so. Yeah, to just that, be free to be who you want. Yeah, and maybe question or investigate, double check that that's something you don't actually want to do, yeah. or whether that's uh, yeah. that's some fun you might be missing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Thank you so much. Thank um, you so yeah, much. Yeah, really vulnerable, and I know a lot of of people are going to benefit from so many. Yeah, the, how candid you've been mm -hmm. in these conversations. I think it's going to be yeah. so beneficial the fact that you guys are partnering with us and doing something specifically for men. The fact that you're on this, and so many of our listeners are indeed men and they get to be a part of the conversation that they may have not otherwise tuned into something um, is really important. Thank you for doing that with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for doing all the great work that you do, and thank you for caring about this conversation. We appreciate it. Love it. Liz. Jamie. Let's have them back again. Yes. Part two, part three, <laughs> part, part two, four. Part three. Um, wow. So we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Liz, where can they find us if they want to hear more episodes? They can find us on YouTube where they can watch where? these incredible outfits that we're all wearing except for Jamie. Um, <laughs> no, no, you he, he did dress up for you. This is Jamie dressing up, by the way. <laughs> no, it's like you look great. You, you always look great. You always look great. Um, this is me dressing up. No it way, is. No way you wore like a dress shirt. Yeah, yeah, no. He like cares. As long as it's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's all that matters. I was like, I, I mean, we have two people that are like talking about style like you. Like, <laughs> how, how do I style like them? <laughs> um, so yeah, check us out on YouTube. You can also uh, listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's been a pleasure to be with both of you. Thank you again uh, for those of you that liked this episode. Um, come back, listen to some more. And in the meantime, I am Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Plank. And this is Man Up. 
Thank you for listening to the Man Enough Podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble, in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer, Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing, and Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.